in a series entitled A Better Way, and it's talking about being established in the love of God, being rooted and grounded in the love of God. The, the primary text that we've been using is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and in verse 13, where it says, now abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so love being the greater way, and I been sharing with you how the Lord had spoken to me about different areas of life that we can step up my game, we can step it up in different areas. I can do it personally, and we as a church can all step it up. As, as a local church, we can step it up. You know, so we can all do better, and especially when it comes to the area of walking in the love of God. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and let's just look at a few of those verses to uh, get us launched here this morning in the direction that the Holy Spirit wants us to go into. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul gives this great teaching on the love of God, and it's sandwiched right in on his teachings on concerning the, the spiritual gifts for the body of Christ for the church today. Uh, in chapter 12, talks all about the, the different gifts. Then in chapter 13, he talks about the foundation and the importance of doing things in the love of God. Then in chapter 14, he goes back again talking about the gifts and the operation and the, and the proper operation of the gifts within our lives and within the corporate setting within the church. But sandwiched in there, he has this uh, the, the chapter that we call the love chapter, and it's really it, it's on the love of God and the importance of being established in his love. In verse 1 of chapter 13, he said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing." In other words, the, 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 the encouragement here, what I'm sensing the Lord had spoken to my heart about, and hopefully um, uh, you're hearing it likewise, is that we need to, he doesn't want us getting engaged in a lot of religious activity that's not rooted and grounded and established in the love of God. Not just being busy trying to look like we're Christians, not just trying to be a better version of ourselves. You know, most of us don't get away with that. Matter of fact, none of us get away with just trying to be a better version of ourselves. What he really wants us to do is develop, is to develop our walk with God and to, for it to be developed in the love of God. Notice I shouldn't just try to be a better me, and you shouldn't just try to be a better you. We are to be imitators of God. Be imitators of God and, and walk in love, even as Jesus walked in love and, and, and demonstrated the way for us. And so that's really what it's saying here. You can do all these great, wonderful things. You can have faith to move mountains. You can feed the poor. You can sacrifice your body and just do, do whatever you, you want to do to try to, to win God's favor. But if, you're not, if it's not established in the love of God, then it's profiting nothing. In verse 4 and verse 1, it says, Love suffers long. Here's where he gives the, uh, defines love for us. And this always reminds me of areas that I can do better in. There's a better way. I, I can step up my game here, and I encourage you also. Uh, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. It's not provoked, and it thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, 
hopes all things, endures all things. And in verse 8, the first sentence there says, love never fails. Love never fails. And he gets talking, begins launching into the operation of the gifts. But in verse 13, then he says, now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Everyone say, the greatest is love. So there's a better way for us to do life and it's to make sure that we're doing it established in the love of God and that's God's, and that the, and that everything is flowing out of that foundation of being established in the love of God, being imitators of God, walking in love as Christ also walked in love. Now I invite you to turn to the, uh, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, and let's begin reading at verse 16. He said, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So we can see here that the outworking of love, that the things that we are engaged in, every, all activity that we engaged in, we want it to be coming from a foundation of having been loved by God, having received his love into our heart, becoming established in it, rooted in it. As the Apostle Paul prayed in uh, the prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning around verse 14 and 15 through verse 20, he prayed that we would be rooted and grounded in the love of God, that we would know the height, the depth, the length, and the width of God's love, that we would be established in that love. And, and, and likewise here, it says that you know, we, we, we who are established in the love of God, we ought to be laying down our lives for the brethren, but doing so in the love of God, not in a grudging attitude, thinking, well, I sure don't feel like doing this. There's nothing in me wants to do this, but I... I made a commitment, so I'm going to stick to my commitment, or, you know, I'm a Christian, so I'm going to do it even though I don't feel like doing it, and my, you know, the attitude stinks, but, you know, well, go ahead and do it. The person, the recipient will be blessed by it, but it's not gaining you anything. Apostle Paul said, though I do all these things, but have not love. And so let's do what we're doing, but let's do it. Let's have, let it be an outworking of the love of God. Whoever has this world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? You know, so if we have and someone else doesn't have and the other person needs and we have within our disposal to bless someone else, but we don't do it, we turn our back, how can we say that that is the love of God? Now that can be, you know, that, that takes some serious love. It, it, it takes being rooted and grounded in the love of God, but it also takes some serious training in knowing and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and allowing him to be leading us, guiding us, and directing us. And it's, 
it's probably not different for me than it is for you, but sometimes it feels different in the area of, of the local church. For example, it's not uncommon. I've, I've shared this with people already, but from time to time, we'll, we'll go over to the giant store and, and buy $1,000 worth of, of uh, food cards, you know, uh, the $50 cards or $100 cards, and, and make them available to people that have need. And primarily, we focus on people within the church body, but sometimes there's people outside that are not worshiping here. They may not even be Christians. Some people just call all the different charitable organizations in town and see what they can, get, you know, what they can glean for the day. That goes on a lot. I can testify to that goes on a lot. Because there's been times when we've, given gifts to people that are not even of the church, not even sure they're Christians, but we've given them a gift, and the next day or within the next week, we'll get several more phone calls from their friends because they tell their friends, we'll call this church because we got a $100 gift card from them or we got, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, we have all these other people calling, and then I wrestle with, okay, I have and they need, but I feel like I'm being taken advantage of. <laughs> and so we need discernment. I need discernment, and also you need discernment on what is, you know, I have it, but I need to be established in the love of God. Love doesn't mean you just become a doormat for everybody to come taking advantage of you. Amen. Amen? But it also means that we are very sensitive to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And so it, it, it's, a very, it, it's, a, it, it, it's a very interesting walk to walk that fine line, to walk that, you know, to walk that tightrope into, yes, this is the Holy Spirit prompting to help this particular, uh, this particular individual or this family. But then when the other random phone calls come in, then, then what do you do? So I had a guy stop in here one time. I'm getting married tomorrow, and I'll invite you to the wedding. And... Uh, I, I need money for food for the reception. <laughs> well, I appreciated the fact that I was invited to the way. <laughs> but that was after several other encounters with him throughout the, throughout the last past year or so. But anyway, just, he would come up with just all kinds of, of uh, ideas and, and things to try to persuade me that he's in, he's in a desperate bind here. And oh, my goodness, <laughs> I don't think you should be getting married if you're getting married tomorrow and you just discovered that you're going to have to go out begging for money for your reception. But nonetheless, I could tell you some stories that you just would make your mind boggle sometimes, but it really does happen where people are just trying to take advantage of us. But I don't want to allow... People haven't taken advantage of me personally or of us as a church to have my heart grow cold towards what is that, what is the Holy Spirit leading? Who did the Holy Spirit send? Who is that angel unaware? Always wrestle with it. Now, was that an angel and I just missed it? <laughs> and so I, I, I never want to miss it. So I want to be walking in the love of God. So in that area, it's something that I, I keep praying about and just really wanting discernment in walking in the love of God at the same time being, being wise and being a good steward of what God has entrusted to me in my life. And I encourage you to do likewise and, and just, uh, you know, be wise in it. At, at, at our old location, for those of you that may not be familiar with, with our previous church before we built this building, we were on Lancaster Avenue, real close to the Governor Mifflin High School, the opposite side of the street. It was a former Shillington movie theater. So we're right on Lancaster Avenue. So we, at that particular building, we had more drop-ins, just people, you know, because they'd be going by and they'd see the church. 
And so then you're just popping in. Well, here's not a whole lot of people going by. Hey, I see a church. Or, or they go by on the highway up on the hill there, and they see it, but they don't know how to get here. So, so anyway, that traffic has subsided substantially. But down at the old place, we had a lot of just walk-ins, just walk in and say, hey, I need this. My car broke down. And one day a guy stopped in and said, I need some, I need some uh, you know, I'm in trouble. My, my car broke down. I said, what happened? He said, my fan belt broke. I said, oh, okay. I said, here, and just a few, within the same block, there's an auto parts store. I said, here, I'll walk with you to the auto parts store. I'll buy a fan belt for you, and we'll go down, and we'll put a new fan belt on. Oh, that won't be necessary. <laughs> that won't be necessary. Now, why would that not be necessary? The fact is, he probably didn't have a car that had a fan belt that broke. And so that, to me, was my King Solomon moment. I got you. You don't need any money from us. You're just trying to, you know, you're just trying to swindle some money from us because you're not whatever the reason may be. But, so I don't want to just keep talking about that. But anyway, you have it and you see a brother in need, don't shut up your heart from him because the love of God is within us and we want to be sensitive and we're walking in love at the same time we don't want to be taken advantage of. So learn to discern become rooted and grounded. The, better, the best way to do life and walking in the love of God and, and helping people and assisting people is, is to become established in God's love and, and coming to a place where we are always compelled by the love of God. Always compelled by the love of God. It says because, you know, he says, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And as Jesus laid down his life for us, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So we want to, want to be laying down our lives for the brethren, but not in a grudging attitude, not in, a, not in any type of negative feelings towards the person, but we want to be doing what we are doing, being compelled by love. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul made the statement. He made it very clearly in, in, in that entire chapter there. He's writing to the church at Corinth. He's giving them the assurance of, of the resurrection uh, through Jesus Christ and how we're all going to go before the judgment seat of Christ and so forth. And, and he's just sharing all these things. And then he gets into verse 14. He said, for the love of Christ compels us. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14, he says, for the love of Christ compels us. Isn't that beautiful? The love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Now, that's a lot packed into those two verses. He said, the love of Christ is compelling us. That's what motivates me. That's what causes me to do what I'm doing. That's what causes me to, uh, to give what I'm giving, to sow what I'm sowing, to assist in the areas I'm assisting in, and, and to, to do life that I'm doing. It's because I'm compelled by the love of God. It's God's love compels me to do what I'm doing. Now, I could be very vulnerable and say, let me tell you about all the ways that I need to step up my game and do it a better way. And, he, and how many arenas of life I need to eliminate uh, areas of, uh, well, I'm just doing it out of routine. I'm doing it out of uh, obligation. I'm, I'm, I'm loving my wife because I promised her I loved her when the day we got married. And, you know, other than that, not much is going on other than I'm true to my word. Now, that wouldn't be much of a marriage, would it? 
<laughs> that wouldn't be much of a marriage if I'm just staying true to Nancy because I told her I would, I would stay true to her and I would love her until death do us part. But other than that, I don't feel a thing. I'm not compelled to love her. I'm not compelled to be kind. I'm not compelled to, to, you know, just to love her the way she desires to be loved and deserves to be loved. That wouldn't be a marriage. It might look like a marriage, but it wouldn't be much of a marriage, would it? Well, the same thing, you know, you've, com- you've committed your life to Christ. You've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've committed to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've, you've given your life over to kingdom work. God has taken up residence within you. Your life is no longer your own. And we need to remind ourselves of that on a daily basis, that this is a covenant that I have entered into with God. God has become uh, my source. God has taken up residence within me. Now everything about me, that everything that I'm doing, everything about me, I am compelled by the love of God to do so. It's God's love that compels me to worship. It's God's love that compels me to pray. I'm not just praying out of religious obligation. It's not just a dry prayer time. It's not just a dry devotional time. I'm not reading my Bible because, you know, well, you need to, get, you need to have your daily devotional time. I'm not just studying it because I need to prepare a lesson. I'm doing what I'm doing because I love God. I love the Word of God. I love the promises of God's Word. Love getting together, worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? I mean, I love getting together. I love worshiping God. And I love doing kingdom work, but there's, I need a continual reminder. It doesn't just, that, that love that I'm sharing with you right now, you may be thinking, boy, I wish I were that much in love with God. I wish I were that much in love with the word of God. I wish I felt like worshiping. I didn't tell you I feel like worshiping every Sunday morning or, or throughout the week. I didn't tell you I feel like it. Sometimes I don't feel like it. But I love God, and I'm going to do it because I love God. Amen? So I'm, I'm doing it, and, and, and it's doing it, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm purposing to come to a place where I'm compelled by the love of God, and the more mature I become as in my Christian walk, the, the, the less frequent I have those times where I just have to force myself to do it. I have to, you know, really, I just, do I really need to go to church again today? Then I remember, yeah, I probably should. I'm the pastor. But... <laughs> Again, I was just there last week for crying out loud. It was two weeks in a row with, you know, with bad weather. And I'm <laughs> but, you know, I look forward to being in church. I look forward to worshiping God. On our two months of sabbatical, I was, in, I was at, visited nine different churches. And some of you might think, why would you go to church nine times during a, during a rest time? <laughs> I enjoyed going and worshiping God and not being responsible for anything. It was, a, it was a real treat. Just go in and worship, sit down, hear the word, and greet some people and meet some people and leave. Yeah. Amen? Amen. And uh, so God is good. So anyway, the Apostle Paul is saying it's, it's, for, it's for the love of God compels us because we judge us that if, that if, uh, if one died for all, he's talking about Jesus, that if Jesus died for all of us, then all died, and he died for all, verse 15, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again, and rose again. And so that's, that's the motivation. That's what compelled him. That's a very, uh, we have some similar ver- uh, uh, 
teachings in 1 John chapter 4, if you hold your place here and just turn to 1 John chapter 4 for a moment. And we'll begin reading at verse, verse 9. It says, In this the love of God was manifest toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation or the special offering for our sins. Then verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Notice, if he so loved us, we ought to love one another. So we ought to be loving, compelled by the love of God, not grudging attitude, not out of an obligation, but because I'm compelled by the love of God. And also, not, not out of an expectation of rewards. Notice we're not doing something because we're expecting a reward, nor are we doing things out of a fear of consequences. Notice if you're doing things out of a fear of consequences, you know, some people have been, their, their, their training up in the Lord has been fear-based and they've been sat under fear-based teaching and you know, they do things because they're afraid something bad will happen if they don't do it. Well, that's not being established in the love of God. If you're doing what you're doing because you're afraid something bad will happen if you don't do it, that again tells us that, you're, that we're not grounded in the love of God. You don't do it out of a motive of, well, I'm going to do this because it's great incentive and I'm going to get a reward for it, or I'm going to do it because, God forbid, if I wouldn't do it, you know, I, I might, you know, who knows what will happen. You know, God's going to get me. I'll get struck by lightning or the bridge is going to collapse or something really bad's going to happen if I'm not obedient. Well, that's, that's not being established in the love of God. You want to be compelled by God's love, not a dutiful obligation coupled with a bad attitude, not out of a fear of consequences, not by an expectation of rewards, but simply because you love the way God loved you unconditionally, demonstrated his love toward you all of us while we were yet in our sin in Christ having died for us. He demonstrated his love. And I think it's so beautiful. In 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, the apostle Paul, he boasts about the church there. He, he talks about a, a, a faith that is prompted by works and, and, and a labor, a labor that is prompted by love. Isn't that beautiful? Labor that is prompted, the labor of love. A labor of love. That's what the church is all about. That's what it's all about in kingdom living as an individual and collectively as the body of Christ that we're doing what we're doing out of a labor of love. It's prompted by the love of God. It's a better way. It is God's love for us and it's expressed in Christ that compels us and it inspires the Christian life, never guilt and never condemnation. God's love compels us. The, the Apostle John in chapter 13, verse 14 and 15, talked about how, how that, uh, the world would know that we are his disciples if we love one another. If we love one another. And so we want to continue to love one another and continue to, to uh, walk in and be rooted in and be grounded in the love. Turn with me now also to Acts chapter 2. I want to share with you, excuse me, Acts chapter 20. Verse 20, verse 22. 
Paul's here talking. Uh, he's, he's before the elders at, at, in Ephesus, and he's sharing some uh, parting statements with them. In verse 22, he says, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. That word bound there can also, some translations have it. As a matter of fact, the NIV has the word compelled. And see, now I am compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains or prisons and tribulation await me. Notice he has it in his heart to go to Jerusalem, and even though he knows it's not going to be easy. Everyone say, not easy. He knew it was not going to be easy to go to Jerusalem, but he said, I am compelled to go there. I feel compelled to go there. Folks, when I'm talking about doing life a better way, there's a better way. That doesn't always mean that, nothing, that you're not going to have any difficulty. That doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy. I'm not talking about just tiptoeing through life and everything is fine. There's no mountains to climb. There's, no, you know, there, there, there's nothing to conquer. I'm talking about some major obstacles coming against us. I'm talking about life, the reality of life on the street. I mean, the world is a dark place. The world is a dark place. Humans are pretty warped. And unfortunately, many times even we who call ourselves Christians have a lot of flaws that still need to be worked out, and it's not easy getting along with people. Being married for many years is not easy. Training up children is not easy. Are you with me this morning? Being faithful at your place of employment is never easy. Being a student in school is not easy. Life is not easy, but the Apostle Paul said, I'm compelled to go. I'm compelled to go. In Corinthians, he said, for the love of God compels us to do what we're doing, and, and we don't count our lives dear to ourselves, for Jesus laid down his life for us. If one died for us, then all died, and bless God, if Jesus gave his life for me, then I can do this. If God so loved me that Jesus laid down his life for me to forgive me of my sin, then bless God, I can do it. I can walk in love. I can respond in kindness. I can be patient. I can be a, a, a loving brother. I can be faithful in all areas of life. I can have the fruit of the Spirit being manifested in my life on a daily basis. I can do this, bless God, because Jesus, God so loved me and Jesus so loved me that he laid down his life for me. Here Paul's saying, I am compelled to go. It's the love of God is compelling me to go. I know it's not going to be easy. There's going to be imprisonment. There's going to be uh, tribulation. There's going to be, that's what all he says here. He said, uh, there's going to be chains, prisons, and tribulations await me. In the very next verse he says, but I don't count my life dear to myself. In other words, love would say it this way today. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about the one I'm following. It's about being an imitator of God and walking in love as Jesus walked in love. It's not about me, therefore, I can overlook the offense. It's not about me, therefore, I can bridge the gap. It's not about me, I can get over that bridge that I built. I don't need to stay stuck in unforgiveness world. When you start walking in forgiveness, it opens up a whole new life. 
When you start walking in the love of God, it opens up a whole new world. And I'm saying it's not any opposition. There's tribulations, there's chains, there may be, uh, it, uh, Paul talked about here being in prison, but the verse, he said, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I might finish. I'm going to say that I might finish. Folks, if you're going to finish, if you're going to finish your race, you want to become rooted and grounded in the love of God. It's the best way to run. Run in the love of God. Run being rooted and grounded and established in God's love. And recognize, and recognize that God did it for me. And so I, I just love the way the Apostle Paul said it here. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm compelled to go. I know it's going to be difficult, but I can do it. And I will do it because it's not about me. It's so that I can finish my race in the grace and proclaiming the grace of God and so forth. But we can do it. In 2 Corinthians, he said, the love of God compels us. The love of God compels us. Turn back to 2 Corinthians, and I'll finish with that. He said, the, the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died, then all... Then one died for all, then all died. In verse 15, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for, men, for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Do you understand what he just said? Therefore, from now on, everyone say, from now on, I'm regarding no one according to the flesh. I'm not looking at them the way I see them. I'm not looking at what I'm seeing. I'm seeing flaws. I'm seeing brokenness. I'm seeing weakness. I see fake strength. I see some real brute strength. I see everything, but that's not what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a new creation. Let's continue reading. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Now listen to his admission here. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, they knew Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Notice we knew Christ according to the flesh, but... We thought we knew him according to the flesh, but now we see him that way no longer. Now we see he really is who he said he was. Now we know that he went to the cross, and now that he has again risen from the dead, now we know he is who he said he is. I see it completely different now. I see, I see Christ for who he said he is. In the same way that, you know, we you know, basically were saying, you know, we, we knew Christ according to the flesh. Did they have any judgmental attitudes towards Jesus? Obviously they did. They're, they're recorded in the Gospels. They had a hard time believing that he was the Son of God. Those that lived with him and knew him, those that lived on the earth while Jesus walked on the earth, knew him in the flesh, they had a hard time believing in his deity. We who only know him in his deity have a hard time thinking of him in the flesh. So he's saying we knew him in the flesh, but you know what? We saw it all wrong, but now we see it different. Now, we, now we're compelled by love. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Now listen to the next verse. This one may be familiar 
to you, but it brings it into context. Therefore, notice we used to know Christ according to the flesh, but now we don't think of him in the flesh any longer. Now we know, we look at him through the heart of love, through the eyes of love. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And folks, I've been preaching the gospel for 35 years, and I've been enjoying the gospel for some time, for some years before being a, a, a minister of the gospel. But I can tell you until just recently, I would read that verse and I would think about none other but me. I'm a new creation. I am a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. But now when I'm reading this in context, it's really, it's admonishing me to see you no longer in the flesh, no longer to see your weaknesses, no longer to see your flaws, no longer to see whatever I may be seeing with my natural eye, but to see you as a new creation. Old things are passed away and I'm seeing you as a new creation. The love of God compels me to see you with eyes of love and to see you as forgiven, to see you as forgiven through the, by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And what a much better way to look at people. What a much better way to see people. It's like, wow, the beauty of God. God, you're so good. You're so good. Amen? He's so good. So I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to start doing life a better way. Start seeing people from, the, from a heaven's perspective. See people as, uh, as, a new, as new creation. See people as old things have passed away and all things have become new. And that now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So even as God has forgiven us, we are to forgive one another. We are to walk in love towards one another. We are to see one another as a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? Praise God. So your challenge for today and for the rest of the week and for the rest of your life, should you choose to accept it, <laughs> is to put on your 2020 vision called love and to see people in the love of God. Treat people in the love of God. Embrace people in the love of God. We can all do better. It's a better way. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, blessings on each one of our lives. Grace abound. Mercy abound. May the favor of God as we leave this place today, may the favor of God be with us, Lord, keeping us in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for health and healing over every household represented here today. Thank you, Lord God, for your divine protection and for your abundant provision on every household in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God, for opening the eyes of our heart that from this moment on, we are seeing people and we are compelled to respond to people in the love of God and seeing people through the love of God. No longer seeing people in the flesh as they are. That's a lazy way of looking at people. It's a lazy way of being judgmental. That's what makes us judgmental. We're just being lazy. But Lord God, that we have the strength and we have the compassion. And like the Apostle Paul said, I am moved to go. I am compelled to go. And I'm not allowing anything to move me because I'm not counting my life, my judgment, my viewpoint. I'm not allowing that to be the determining factor any longer. But I'm seeing people as new creations in Jesus Christ. 
thanking you, Lord God, that we're one in the body of Christ. We're loving each other, and therefore we will begin treating each other even as we so desire to be treated in the name of Jesus. Name above all names. Amen. Amen.